Fortean. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 258 of Florida Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And at this rate, I predict that all four of us will have played Jack Ryan before the decade's out. <laughs> That's a heck of a list. Yeah. I, I think I they've, money. Yeah, I think they've had, what, six actors now? Five. Uh, five, yeah. Five? Wait. Yeah, five. Because there was uh, Alec Baldwin, Harrison yeah. Ford, Ben Affleck. Um, Chris Pine. Chris Pine, and now John Krasinski. I, I put a chart I, in the show notes. I, I imagine like Joel's version of Jack Ryan. He would just be like, I, I don't want to punch you, no. <laughs> I could see Joel as Jack Ryan. Ah. <laughs> Instead of the smartest guy in the room, it's me. He's, the, he's this guy in the room. Easy. <laughs> Can you interrogate this guy? No, but I got some good puns in Arabic for him. <laughs> Spoilers. Uh, oh, yeah. So with, with the... Uh, so if it's okay with Josh, we're going to be talking about Jack Ryan this week. It's totally okay. <laughs> I didn't. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Jack Ryan. So with the release of, release of the new um, Jack Ryan TV show on Amazon, which all of us have been watching, up against uh, The Hunt for Red October, the first Jack Ryan movie. Because, honestly, I didn't want to watch how many? One, two, three, five, six, six. I mean, that's a lot of watching. Four of the movies, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to watch that much. But, um, oh, damn, with submarines. If you like submarines, you guys were giving me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you might like the shows on the Podcast Collective, such as On the Block, on The Coffin Joe Cast. In Submarines. Dating Baggage. In a Submarine. Mint in Boxcast. In Bed. And, of course, the Red at Radio Hour. Underwater. Wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What the hell? If you're looking for our... Just when you think you're out, he pulls you right back in. I know. If you're looking for more of this mid this uh, Golden God stuff here, you can find us on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, TalkShoe, Podverse FM, Noon FM, and on iHeartRadio. Uh, you can give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. All right, we don't have any voicemails, but we did get an email. Huh. Yeah, from a duck. Yes, Tommy the Duck's show ideas. Uh, he says, still begging for show ideas, yet ignoring a faithful listener who's been here since episode one? Question mark? I didn't realize we were doing that. Uh, but to be fair, I usually forget we have a voicemail until 30 seconds before I have to queue it up. So Sometimes I forget we have a show. That, <laughs> that true. is true. true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so his show ideas. Uh, I'll repeat my last idea in case you forgot. Howard the Duck versus Paul. Two misunderstood or wisecracking aliens to get back, trying to get back to their home world. Yeah, and I have both on DVD. Thank you very much, Tommy the Duck. <laughs> I didn't realize you were such a Howard the Duck fan. Well, here's not. a few more. <laughs> not here's, a, here's a few more. Howard the Duck versus Guardians of the Galaxy. Two obscure comic franchises that no one heard of until they were forced upon an unsuspecting public. Both featuring wisecracking animals. He's not wrong. I mean, I had heard of Guardians, but I'm, I'm kind of a Marvel fanboy. Yeah, and I had heard Howard the Duck, and I think both times I heard about that, both movies, it was like, why that? Right. Uh, Howard the Duck versus The Room. I, I see a trend here. Uh, two movies generally regarded as being some of the worst ever made, yet still with a large cult following. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a theme to this email. And there's breasts in both of them. One duck. Duck one boobs. Man. Yeah. It says, okay, okay, enough. I'll get serious for a moment. Have you considered a Tim Robbins show? Shawshank, Hudsucker Proxy? Tim Robbins deserves a show. And I think that is a phenomenal idea. I do, too. I think after uh, Octoboo, we need to uh, 
put that on the list because that's but because the other thing is that's going to be a uh, lot of watching. Yeah, I like, I'm. You, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say I like Tim Robbins, but I don't know if he deserves a whole show. See, the thing is, is I like virtually every movie he's in, and it's almost always not necessarily because of him, except for maybe like Shawshank. But like, I don't know. I think we'd be talking about a lot of good movies. He's got. I mean, he's got a very diverse CV. Truth. That comedy and drama and everything in between. Yeah, he's done a few bad ones, but like, it just in general, like thinking uh, of stuff I've caught on cable and decided to watch all the way through. Usually, if he's on the screen, I'm probably finishing the movie. Bob Roberts, High Fidelity, The mm-hmm. Player, Shawshank Redemption, Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder. Right, going all the way back to Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, and that one was one of those. That was probably one of the first movies I watched, and then was like, wait, what? Rewind. <laughs> what was the one, Mike, with uh, Robin Williams? Cadillac Man. Yeah, that one too. Yeah. Was it, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously, I can't remember if he's the guy that played. I think he is the the one with um, Jeff Bridges, the conspiracy movie, where where Jeff Bridges plays the conspiracy professor whose wife got killed, and he plays the neighbors. It turns out to be a terrorist. Arlington uh, Road. Yeah, Arlington Road. Is that Robbins? I think so. Yeah, I think so too. Well, if we ever do a Tim Robbins show, it'll be it. We'll find maybe, it. I'm in, maybe I'm in now because any excuse to watch that movie again. Yeah. So. Uh, That's a great movie. It is. Spoiler. Uh, hey. <laughs> Stole it. Mine now. It was yours to begin with. All right. On that note, I think it's about that time. It is about it that time. It was Tim Robbins. I don't This week in music, movies, and TV. Spoiler. Well, sorry to cut you off there, Joel, but I wanted to cut you off. <laughs> there was also in a movie with Martin Lawrence. Nothing to lose. No, that's true. Mom's got nothing to lose. Too soon. Well, that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. So this weekend, we went for March second, nineteen ninety, the premiere of The Hunt for October. All right, music. The number one song in the land was Opposites Tracked by Paula Abdul with the Wild Pear and DJ Scat Cat, the Poopin' Cat. I, I don't think he was the Poopin' Cat. Yeah, I don't think that's really his subtitle right there. That's not at all. Is he not that kind of Scat Cat? Or were you just listening no. to MTV and no. looking out the window again? <laughs> scat Cat. I loved that song and loved the video. Video's all right. For what it was, I mean, it's definitely dated, but for what it was, it's like a nice little uh, showcase of... 1990 hip hop music. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it hasn't aged well, but it, it, it has a more of an 80s vibe to it now. Sure. Yeah. Well, well and that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's the tail end. Yeah, it, it, it's a fun song. Uh, Cornell Gunther was an American rhythm and blues singer, most active in the 1950s and 1960s. Member of the Flares and the Platters, he is a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a member of the Coasters. He died in Las Vegas, Nevada, after being shot in his automobile by an unknown assailant and absorbed. What the yikes! And I'm pretty sure that if you're uh, an R&B singer, your last name's just Gunter. <laughs> I don't think he was a German immigrant. But yeah, uh, he was. He was doing it before Tupac. Yeah, it's yeah. getting shot in a car in Vegas. Too soon. Maybe Biggie was after him. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so on February 27th, the birds, Roger McGuinn. Chris Hillman and David Crosby reunited for the first time in 25 years at a tribute to Roy Orbison. The three men were joined unexpectedly on stage by Bob Dylan, who sang Mr. Tambourine Man with the band. Turns out he was just looking for the pot dealer and he stumbled on stage. 
Well, I mean, he looked up and <laughs> looked up and saw David Crosby, and he was like, "I bet he's got pot." Yeah, that, <laughs> that guy knows where who to talk to. That man well, has I drugs mean, on sure him right he now. Flashed back, he's like, "Oh shit, I'm still in this band." <laughs> he's got Crosby. He's like, he's like, "Crosby, you got any weed?" And he just reaches into his mustache and pulls out a pre-rolled joint. There you go. <laughs> I know this song. I'm gonna play it home. Looking at McGuinn and Hillman, Nash, Stills, <laughs> you guys look weird. <laughs> All right, and finally, uh, Billboard's 1990 Song of the Year, Hold On, was released by Wilson Phillips on February 27th. I love that song. I agree. Unabashed. Wait, what song? Hold On, Wilson Phillips. You may have heard it a couple times. Oh, God. I think I've told you guys this story about how I went on a cross-country road trip to Florida from Austin, Texas, with three college girls the, the week that that album that cd came out and one of them bought it and it was just like for the first 12 hours of the road trip it was on repeat that'll make you hate a song that'll make you hate wilson phillips <laughs> i don't think anything could make me hate wilson phillips i agree china is a national treasure all right so we are moving <laughs> on to movies the number one film in the land was driving miss daisy which was knocked off by the hunt for red october i love you hoke Talk about a movie that did not age well. <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy? Oh yeah. It's still it's it's still a cute little movie though. Yeah, but it's it's definitely super patronizing yeah, to both very, old people and black people. It's, it's a it's a it's a yeah. It's it's a, a bit of a uh, what's yeah, patronizing what damn it, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh erotic. Oh that's it. Done. That's a tandy man. Who doesn't want to get driven around by the easy reader? I think that whole movie would have been better if he was dressed as easy reader while he was doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a little, water out of my nose. <laughs> it's a little bit patronizing, yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Gary Fred Merrill died on March 5th. Before that, as opposed to after that, I guess, uh, he was an American film and television character actor whose credits included more than 50 feature films, a half dozen mostly short-lived short-lived. TV series, and dozens of television guest appearances. Meryl starred in All About Eve and married his co-star, Betty Davis. She had eyes. Somebody turning off and on the lights? <laughs> All right. Other movies released this week were Nightbreed, The Handmaid's Tale, which we totally need to do a show on, and House Party. Only if I can talk about the sexy Handmaid's Tale outfits for Halloween. Already pulled from the internet. Did I ever tell you guys that uh, Dennis and I watched all of, well, the first three House Party movies back-to-back in one evening? This is before the fourth one came out. I was going to spent an entire weekend watching Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> <laughs> that was another weekend. So, yeah. But you didn't get to like House Party 11, where the high-top fade was had the receding hairline, so he looked like a shovel? <laughs> <laughs> no, we just saw the one with the pajama jammy jam. That was the thing. I have not seen a single House Party movie. And I do not regret it. No, I, I don't think that's something you're going to have to go back and correct. Right. Yeah, I I'm, I, I'm not suffering from a dearth of kid and play. Aw, kid and play kickstep was the shit. Okay, huh. maybe it was just shit. <laughs> there Night- was shit there in it somewhere. Nightbreed, cool. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just totally skipped I that. love, love Nightbreed, but like I tried to show it to people who had never seen it, and they're just like, I don't get why you like this movie. It's a good movie. Which one is Nightbreed? 
That's the one where they go to the uh, graveyard and all the the monsters live underground in the graveyard. And the guy with the skin face mask with the buttons nope, on the eyes. I don't eyes. think I've seen it. The moon face. <laughs> I haven't seen any one of these three movies. Pelican working for uh, McDonald's. Moving it's on. It's Matt tonight. Spoilers. I didn't say it. You can't do spoilers for something that we're not talking about, Pat. That's what she said. <laughs> that makes even less sense. What the hell? Okay, TV. Cosby, Roseanne. Both ahead. <laughs> Cosby, Roseanne, Cheers, Different World. All that 90s stuff is at the top. That's top 10, top 5, whatever. You know, it's it's 90s. Yeah. Late 80s, 90s. What it is, is Seinfeld. So why are you doing the Seinfeld noise? Because Seinfeld was 90s. Think, we're talking about 1990, dude. I don't think Seinfeld was a thing yet, was it? No, no, no it wasn't. So Joel was just walking around in 1990 doing that noise, and he was like, you wait. This will make sense someday. <laughs> it was a thing. First episode date, July 5th, 1989. Oh, oh wow. So I, eat it, yeah. Potsy. Oh, wait, that's sit on it, Potsy. Unfortunately, but. we're talking about March, so he's a couple months off, so you still oh, lose. It started in 89. You are technically wrong. It's oh, 89? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah which well. is the best kind of... Never mind, he's tight. Never mind, moving on. Andrea Lauren Bowen. Bowen. Andrea. Fuck you all. <laughs> Laura. This, this chick was born March 4th. Yenta. No. <laughs> Yentel. Uh, she's an American actress and singer who made her start in Broadway musicals, including Les Mis, and the acronym of the week, which is TSOM. I'm pretty sure that's the classic musical Tarantino slamming our mom. <laughs> which one? There's only one Tarantino, all, dude. All of them. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> it's only one Tarantino. As I am not going down that alley with you. Uh, no, that in is general. Don't go down alleys with you all. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sound of music. You were close. Oh, yeah. That there was a scene in there just like that. Yeah. With uh, Christopher Lee. Was it Christopher Plummer? You know, slamming Jay's mom. Well, who hasn't? <laughs> so anyway, in 2004, she began on Desperate Housewives, trying to change the subject quickly. Uh, and later went on to star in a number of Lifetime television movies, which is the dying grounds for people who were on primetime shows, I guess. Oh, my you're working. Lord. Yeah. I'm trying to see if better, I remember. Better, better than working for Trader Joe's. True. Oh. That's a double dig. Yeah. Does that mean Mike's going to start working on Lifetime soon? <laughs> no, Mike's going to be on the new Cosby show. I really don't like the way this conversation is going <laughs> I right now. I, I was that racist. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> this is what happened when Pat gets some sleep. What yeah, the hell? I want to be in charge of craft services on your show, Mike. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not happening. Uh, this week saw the debut of four shows that nobody has ever watched. A Family for Joe, Carolyn Company, Help, and His and Hers. And uh, Family for Joe is actually a TV movie about someone greenlit this. Two orphans are trying to stay together, so they manufacture... Uncle Joe by getting a wino off the street to play him. Oh, nice and safe. Yeah. It was the good 80s, fa- folks. Good family message to be well, sent to the y- children. It, there is a lot. Okay. I used to have, when I was working as a youth leader, I had one of those old, like, 70s um, books, like, things to do in the car type of thing, like when you're doing road trip. And honest to God, one of the suggestions was pick up a hitchhiker and convince that person that everybody's from another country. And I was like, there's so many things wrong with just that first sentence. But Holy then, crap. Help had John Mahoney, David Caruso, and Wesley Snipes in it. I was just going to say that. Damn it. What? What is it about? 
It's about combined emergency services of uh, fire department, NYPD, and EMS in New York called the hmm. Harlem Eastside Life Saving Program, or HELP. Huh. I need somebody. How did this? How do we not know this? Because this is also a David Black and Dick Wolf. Like, I granted, Dick Wolf has made like a ton of different shows with like public servants, but like somehow this one just got missed. Oh, it looks like it just had six episodes. That's how. Flash at the band. Womp, womp, womp. And he really needed some help. Well, his and hers. Who's in that? What? Martin Mull, Stephanie Farsi, Richard Klein. Yeah, I'm out. All right. Moving on to sports. On March 4th, Hank Gathers of LMU died while practicing for the upcoming March Madness tourney. A chronic heart condition led to his demise. Sad story, actually. He was predicted to be one of the top picks in the draft and probably going to be like a solid NBA player for a while. And he had a uh, chronic heart murmur that he had to take medicine for. And he didn't like the way it made him feel sluggish during the games. So he would always like ride a, ride the exercise bike to try to like run it out of his blood before games. And one day, well, you're getting ready for, for practice. He just healed over. That is fucked up. Yeah. He was, I think he was 19 years old. Wow. Yeah. Moving on, Australia beat Pakistan 2-0 to win Cricket's World Series Cup on February 25th. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> Leslie Les Ethelbert George Ames, wicketkeeper and batsman for the England cricket team and Kent County Cricket Club, was described in his obituary as the greatest wicketkeeper slash batsman of all time. In test cricket, Ames played 47 matches, scoring 2,434 runs with a batting average of 40.56, and taking 74 catches and 23 stumpings. In first-class cricket, he scored 37,248 runs at an average of 43.51, including 102 centuries and 176 fifties, and took 704 catches and 417 stumpings. Unusually for a wicketkeeper, he also bowled over 200 overs, taking 24 first-class wickets with a bowling average of 33.37, Lastly, he died February. February? <laughs> wow. Damn it, I got the whole thing in February is what got me. That's a Joel right there. <laughs> he died February 27th. He was stumped permanently and absorbed. Les Ames. He is like one of the, apparently like one of the, maybe possibly Mount Rushmore again. He's at least top 10 for cricket history. I what is say. it? What, what's a stumping? Is that a new word? If I had to guess, it's kind of a new word. If I had to guess, I would say as a wicket keeper, a stumping is probably when like you keep somebody from getting any of the wickets knocked over before they're out. It's it's like pegging, but you're only halfway in. It's like Remind me never to play cricket with you. <laughs> pegging with an amputee, that's what it is. Don't go into that alley with Joel. I don't know, Nikki. He's tell us which strong. one of us. Tell tell us which one of us is right if you happen to listen to this episode. It's me, Nikki. Right. <laughs> I'll take you up for mac and cheese. And then lastly, Harold Jeffrey Owen, Tuppy Owen Smith, what a name, was a South African cricketer who played test cricket for South Africa and a rugby player who played for and captained the England rugby union team. His name sounds like the first verse of a Mary Poppins song. (laughs) (laughs) Harold Jeffrey Owen, Owen. Tuppy Owen Smith. His name is my name, too. (laughs) (laughs) He was also a practicing medical doctor. His in His driver's life. license scrolls. <laughs> right. it's just, it's just see other side. 
He was also a practicing medical doctor for his hometown of Rondesbosch, Cape Town, where he died on February 28th. Absorbed. And I like how that sentence says uh, he was a South African cricketer who played test cricket for South Africa. Because Well, I mean, he played rugby for England, so I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to play for your home country, sir. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of people from foreign countries in the NBA. Yet, what? Yet Joel. Joel. Or in baseball. What? But hockey. God. Hockey. They're all. No, they're not. They're mostly Russian and Canadian. Yep. With some Eastern Europeans in there. There's some other countries represented. Don't be racist. Your face is racist. My face is delightful. Take us out, keyboard, Joel. Hey, <laughs> hey we're not done. Wait, we're not done? Oh, I'm sorry. I faded out there. He just wanted to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and last one. On March 1st, Steve Jackson Games was raided by the United States Secret Service, prompting the later formation of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And you guys know all about that, I'm, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Yep. This, this was legendary in the game industry because uh, he was actually, the company was doing research, uh, running a BBS, interacting with real hackers for GURP Cyberpunk. And because of the real hacking stuff that was being discussed on the bulletin board, the Secret Service decided to... Uh, raid the offices of the company the guy was working for now the bbs he was running was not affiliated in any way with steve jackson games he was just kind of using it for research for his work but since like an issue of frack magazine got posted there yeah they got tagged and 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 then the the main sticking point apparently according to the wikipedia article was like there was a article about how to hack into 911 systems oh yeah probably in the issue of frack that is totally the sort of thing that they would have posted yep Sorry to interrupt you. No, that's all right. Yeah, pretty pretty landmark. They ended up having to pay him something like $160,000. Who did? Uh, the, Unite, the Secret Service had to pay Steve Jackson Games. Wow. Yep. Didn't they do this? That wound up doing the same thing to him for uh, the Killer game also. Like After that, he was on a list, and when he, when he wrote Killer, that got them all riled up again. Hmm. I, I don't think so, because I, I think that part of... There were a few games that they produced in response to their Secret Service raid. Um, and I, the Secret Service, I think, in general, the feds left them alone after that. But yeah, they satirized the event for like two decades after. That's pretty funny. All right. Now, take us out, keyboard Joel. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> so, in 1990, Hunt for Red October was released, and we got Alec Baldwin as our Jack Ryan for one movie. Two movies after that, Patriot Games' Clear and Present Danger was taken over by Harrison Ford, then Ben Affleck, Chris Pine, and now we're up to... Up to? There's a little bit of a dip there in 2002. I was surprised at the John Krasinski choice for Jack Ryan in the television show on Amazon. Yeah, but I mean, when we get to the second half, it'll be very clear why we specifically chose Hunt for Red October to compare to Jack Ryan, just Mm -hmm. based on their performances, respectively. Yeah. So if you haven't seen it, uh, November 1984, the Soviet Union's best submarine captain in their newest sub violates orders and heads directly for the United States. Is he trying to defect or is he starting World War III? Dun, dun, dun. So this is uh, directed by John McTiernan. Uh, Die hard. Yes. Uh, written by, novel written by Tom Clancy. Uh, Die hard. Oh, wait, no, he didn't. No, no, it was not. He, I'm sure he watched it, so you're kind of right. Uh, Larry Ferguson and Donald E. Stewart both did the screenplay on this one. So this is also starring a Sean Connery as Marco Ramis. Never heard of him. No? Well, it's too late. He's dead. Is he? No, he's not. He's really not dead. He's oh. very alive. <laughs> oh. Who am I thinking of? 
Some dead Alec guy, Baldwin. probably. Uh, Alec Baldwin is Jack <laughs> Ryan. Scott Glenn is Bart Mansuko. Sam, Stick. Yes, Stick from uh, Daredevil. Yeah. Looking pretty damn good and looking very stickish. I mean, it's kind of like his thing, the grizzled veteran look. Uh, Sam Neill uh, as Captain Barodin. Jane. I, I was going to say, I know Scott Glenn from Urban Cowboy. Oh, that's true. That's what I know him mainly from. I don't remember that movie. Oh, so good. I'm sure I saw it, but I, I don't remember it at all. Sorry to interrupt. I just I, no. I didn't realize I was on mute. I was wondering when nobody was responding to me. <laughs> uh, Sam Neill, pre, uh, is pre or post dinosaur? Pre dinosaur. Pre dinosaur. Yeah. Yes. Uh, as Captain Baroden, James Earl Jones as Admiral Greer, Joss Eklund as Andre Lincinko, Richard Jordan. Right? What's that? Cook, right? In yeah. That that? yeah. Yeah. And uh, Richard Jordan is Jeffrey Pelt. Tim Curry, out of left field, because I completely forgot that he was in this. Right? As Dr. Petrov. I'm sure you let out a a squee. I did. (laughs) I did. When he first showed up, I was like, ah, he looks Russian, too. (laughs) And he's kind of doing a Russian accent. And he's probably wearing a garter underneath his outfit. Yep. Sean Connery, you Scottish Russian, you. Of course, at this point, he's like, I'm Sean Connery. Tell me I'm doing it wrong. Go ahead. Uh, Courtney B. Vance as Seaman Jones. A very young-looking Courtney B. Vance. Like, I, I had to do a double-take because he almost always has the mustache-goatee combo. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's in a ton of stuff. Married to Angela Bassett. Oh, really? His, yeah. Good his, for him. Isn't his name a 70s porn in the movie? Seaman Jones? No? Hey, Joel, do you know how to mute yeah. yourself? <laughs> if not, we'll teach you. I'm going to be down this alley. Uh, right. Don't go down that alley with Joel. He does not have mac and cheese. <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård as Captain Tuploff. Uh, oh, man, he is always uh, great in whatever he's done. I don't know if this was like his breakout for English language, but I was surprised to see him. He was he was fantastic in this. So, and you guys know who who he's the father of, correct? Yep, Pennywise. Uh, yes. Yep, Pennywise in the new series. Yes, he's not the <laughs> not father Tim. of Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been weird. And he's also my daddy. <laughs> he might be. That was weird. Yeah, All right, that, so Jeffrey Jones. I, I thought I made it weird, and then Joel really did. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Jones. Don't go down the alley. We keep telling you. Tyler, don't go down the alley with Jeffrey Jones either. No, don't. <laughs> Do not. Yeah, Jeffrey Jones is most definitely not uh, the guy from Ghostbusters. I keep mixing him up with William yeah, Atherton. Yeah. Oh my God, Mike, you almost made me do a spit take. <laughs> and then uh, Gates McFadden, who is somebody who would not go down an alley with any of us. <laughs> and Shane Black. I did not even recognize her in this role. No? Well, she Plus was kind of a. Yeah. She, small, small part, and she wasn't wearing a Star Trek uniform, so it's. Understandable. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Shane Black. She wasn't crushing on fucking Picard. <laughs> USS Reuben James Crewman. Which I made sure to throw him in here because he is the writer and co-writer of things like um, Lethal Weapon, uh, the new Predator film, oh. and a personal favorite of this show. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. True. Indeed. Love that movie. All right. Some trivia. So Sean Connery spent time underway aboard a USS Puffer. Uh isn't that your nickname, Pat? <laughs> USS Puffer. That's that's just a defense mechanism when he goes down dark alleys. He just inflates. <laughs> uh, it's a Sturgeon class attack submarine, and was the second ship of the United States Navy to be named for the pufferfish. 
<laughs> which I'm sure immediately after that, they're like, let's not name that anymore. <laughs> so that's pretty big. It's got 15,000 shaft horsepower. Whatever, wow. Whatever that that's means. That's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, guess. Shut your mouth. So, I was talking about shaft. <laughs> much they hadn't seen in Jones, too. So preparing for his role, he got on this ship or this boat and was given commander status and allowed to give commands while underway with the captain beside him. And he declared war on Liechtenstein. <laughs> I was going to say, he strikes me as the sort of guy that would let that amount of power go immediately to his head. Launch you missiles. <laughs> no, don't launch Point the missiles. <laughs> I want to dive. <laughs> Bring me some crackers. <laughs> you can do that. That's cool. It's like the whole time the captain's like, like I just envisioned every time Sean Connery says anything immediately after the captain's like, all right, don't do that. <laughs> Standing behind him, shaking his head. No, no. Why don't I have a gun? I want a gun. <laughs> no. Uh, the film starts out in Russian, uh, then switches to English in an early scene as the political officer reads a passage from the book from a book which contains a quote from Robert Oppenheimer. The switch occurs at the word Armageddon, which is the same in both languages, but pronounced differently. Man, that switch. I I thought that was so well done where they're all speaking Russian. Then everything slows down and zooms in. And then when it zooms back out, they're speaking English, just very subtle and effective. And Mm -hmm. when it first started, because I first saw this movie in the theater. Me too. I I haven't seen it since then. Um, so it's like, when they started zooming in, I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? <laughs> Why do they want us to see this book so badly? <laughs> right? They get right up on his lips. I'm like, what the hell? And then it switched over. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Patrick, I saw this in the theater, too, with my mom. And the whole time she kept t- talking about, my Sean Connery is so handsome. <laughs> yeah, my mom was all about Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin. We, we pretty much had to peel her off the seat. When we, when we started oh. My mom was all about Tim Curry. <laughs> that's that makes sense. <laughs> and I was like, that's, and no one's surprised by that. <laughs> she likes them bug eyes. Um, so, all right, twenty thousand dollars <laughs> was spent on Sean Connery's toupee. I hope not one. That wasn't one toupee, was it? It was one really big one. They just cut out the pieces as they needed it. That had to have many, been for like a fleet of toupees. I think how many children could have been fed. With that money, or <laughs> with that or many toupees, <laughs> you, you don't feed orphans hair, Joel. How many times do we have to tell you that? <laughs> Follow me down this alley. <laughs> Let's talk about it. who wants a hair sandwich. You, but I mean, it it really was a good toupee, though. Fleet of toupees. I really like their second album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is that the is that the correct nomenclature? Is it a fleet of toupees or a gaggle? What is it? I, I don't know if that's really one of those things that they assign a specific name to pat <laughs> i think it may be just like a box of toupees or i think it's a, I think it's a cockle of toupees god damn that's a lot of toupees a pack of toupees yeah we'll just go with that <laughs> um alec baldwin accepted the role of jack ryan because harrison ford turned it down shortly after harrison ford went wait what <laughs> uh cast member sam neal also benefited from ford's refusal three years later by being cast in the lead role of jurassic park so, I think Harrison Ford's been doing all right without those, though. Yeah, I think I think uh, he's doing okay. Bushel and a peck and a toupee around the neck. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so James Earl Jones, Admiral James Greer, is the only actor to reprise his role in Patriot Games and Clear and Present Danger. He was smart. Did he die in Clear and Present Danger? Otherwise, he's, why wouldn't he still, still be alive. playing it? No, not James Earl Jones, uh, Admiral James Greer. 
Because why wouldn't he still be playing him? Well, the other two were prequels. Oh, okay. Yeah. They happened before the like, movie taking. How come you look yeah. so bad? You're only 40, Admiral. I'm not sure, but I think that's it. Or they just wasn't in those books. That's true. Maybe just not there. I've never read a Tom Clancy novel. You know who really read a lot of Tom Clancy novels? Was my grandmother. What? 85 years old. She had the large print editions and tore through like one a week. That's crazy. I would have guessed your dad. Oh, my dad definitely is. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I I think uh, a Tom Clancy uh, novel comes with a mustache. (laughs) (laughs) And a toupee. Well, on occasion, we had, hey, grandma, you know. When, When you build your own kayak... It just comes in the mail. You open it up. What is this? Oh, it's a Tom Clancy book. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I've already read this. <laughs> but you're talking about Anne. She read. Yeah, she read Tom Clancy. She loved like like uh, Cold War novels. I mean, it. Wow. It was a thing. Who knew? Well, she did marry your grandfather, so she had odd tastes. True that. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew his grandfather like I knew his grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, there's stories there. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I was, as uh, spoilers, not really, but we've all commented about when we saw this movie. I think most of us saw it all in the theater the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I've, like, seen bits and pieces flipping channels, but I haven't seen the full movie since I saw it in the yeah, theater. Yeah, I am, I'm the lone exception. I did not see this in the theater. I, I saw, I didn't see it until probably, like, 95, 96, and then not again since. So I had forgotten, like, 90% of this film. Same here. Yeah. It, was, it was almost like watching it new. I don't know. I, I've had a, I had a weird fascination with it because I've only ever seen two movies more than once in the theater. Jurassic Park I saw three times. Clear and Present Danger I saw twice. Really? I don't know why. Yep. Don't know I why don't know. you saw it? or I don't know why. I I mean, I, I, I'm not a big going back to the theater to see something more than once, obviously. Um, I, I saw I don't seven, know why that seven times. Just to make a point. I'm just going to straight up steal Josh's stories now. Yeah, I was going to say, that was definitely me, but... <laughs> No, I saw seven seven times. <laughs> once saw, you once you I see it the fifth, times. yeah. Damn it. <laughs> uh, We've known each other too long. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so this one with um, geez, just lost his name. Alec Baldwin is Jack Ryan. Again, pulls well, you know the reason why we chose this one is it pulls a guy off his desk job and throws him to the middle of the heat of a international, well, potentially international uh, event. Well, and I think the big important thing about his characterization as opposed to, in particular, the Harrison Ford one, which, don't get me wrong, I love Harrison Ford, but uh, Harrison Ford's Jack Ryan is basically just Harrison Ford in a Tom Clancy novel. This one, this Jack Ryan is the smartest guy in the room. That's his whole shtick is like, yeah, he can handle himself. He was a Marine, but it's his brains that get him through. And that's like super important to differentiate himself from the people around him. Yeah, and he, I mean, he does have a lot of moments in the movie where he's, it, like the like the cigarette scene, when they finally get down to the bottom of the, we get get into the Red October. Nobody speaks English. Everyone's just kind of, like, hovering over their guns. And they have the, I don't, I don't know, also, I'm, you know, why the smoking of the cigarette is always considered the, peace, well, peace pipe. There you go. Figure oh, it out yeah. myself. The international symbol for, you know, smoke yeah. a peace pipe. Yeah. Smoke a peace pipe. And, and- it's clearly like a diplomatic move he's making because they established they established a little bit earlier when he you know jumps in the river or jumps in the ocean they offer him coffee and a cigarette and he just takes the coffee says he doesn't smoke yeah I mean it's it was, a nice little detail in the movie because obviously as soon as they realize that 
he didn't smoke and he, uh, you know, they made that comment about how he was turning green. It broke the tension. So it immediately lightened the whole mood and everybody could actually start communicating instead of looking at each other cross-eyed. Well, and part of it also was, you know, they realize he doesn't smoke. Well, he's doing this because we offered it. He's taking it as a friendly gesture, you know, so that took the heat off things too. But yeah, uh, it's a good scene. It is. It is. Uh, one of the things that jumped out at me immediately on this rewatch is that I think Tom Clancy, both books and novels, have this reputation in certain circles that they're very jingoistic, pro-America, yeah, USA, USA, shoot everybody, blah, blah, blah. And it's like a Toby Heath song put to film. Right. <laughs> I don't remember that Toby Heath song. <laughs> But if this, there's a lot of nuance in the portrayal of the opposing forces where you get to see their side of it. And while there are those uh, USA stereotype, like meathead guys, they're almost always in opposition to Jack Ryan. They're like, that uh, idea is one of the obstacles he has to get around to save mm-hmm. everybody. Next big Toby Keith hit, I'm going to shoot you with an eagle. <laughs> Dude, that's a great sounding song. I, I really hope he's a listener because I want to hear that song. <laughs> I'm going to shoot you with an eagle. And I hope it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> too much D. White Yokel in there. <laughs> you know what? Oh, I, that sounds different. I like the fact that Scott Glenn, even though he was on, he was extremely cautious about everything that Jack Ryan was doing in this one, he kind of let him have his way. Well, yeah, and you saw he was that kind of commander the way he was acting with Courtney B. Vance's character, where it's like, you know what? I'm supposed to do this. This is the procedure, but you've got an instinct, and my gut tells me I should let you trust your gut. Yeah, he's definitely one of those leaders that you know, go by the hunch, go by the, the gut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but he's going to make sure you know, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be. Now, we're making an exception in this case because I trust you. I've got a good yeah. feeling about you. And it's your ass if you're wrong. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, in a couple cases, we're all dead if you're wrong, but... You know. <laughs> it's all our asses if you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. How much trust does he have to put in Markov and Orion when uh, they're doing these crazy maneuvers when torpedoes are being shot directly at them? I know, right? He's <laughs> like, all right... Um, Let's turn the turn the sub around and go straight at the torpedo. It was fantastic. Right. <laughs> right. But he has brown pants on. Yeah, well, that's mm. standard issue. But um, the uh, that be my brown pants. Sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, and then it was so. I think I the cleverness of it was that you know he outran the the um the, the fuse on the bomb pretty much. Well, yeah, and until you get to the end, if you think about it, this is a, a two hour and I think fifteen minute movie. Or maybe two and a half, That's and right. uh, and like an hour and forty five of that is talking. Yet it's tense all the way through. Yes. So I thought that was kind of cool the the way that you're able to maintain the tension when the actual torpedoes don't start flying until late third act. Well, and p- I think part of the tension on it was it, everyone knows that Sean Connery's up to something. You know, all his commanding officers they're not sure. You know, if it's He's defecting. They don't know if he's going to go nuts and declare war. He's going to fire the missile off. What's happening? So there, while these conversations are going on, there is an implicit lack of trust in everybody having these conversations, especially on the on the the, the Russian boat. And by the way, um, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie since the theater, but um, as soon as Sam Neill made his little uh, speech about Montana and the two wives, I was watching this movie with my sister, and I just turned to her and I was like, "Well, he's dead." 
Yeah, if you're on a submarine, they should have it like written on the uh, on the door. Don't talk about your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Number one rule of being in the military is don't talk about your your life back home. Yeah, because then you're gonna blow up. Well, maybe not blow up. Get shot, then blow up. Whatever happens, it won't be good. So, but, but if you win, you get to be. No, so, what? No, I was just saying. But if you win, you get to be president someday. <laughs> Twice. See that happened to Jack Ryan. Never mind. Yeah. Pew 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 pew. <laughs> Are you asking? Oh, yeah, how about that? How about that green screen at the end of the movie? That was pretty sweet when they're going to, in the river, getting ready to bury the sub. Well, yeah. that's something that I we probably should talk about anyway. The the the, the special effects. They were they were a little bit dated. Yeah, if you see it on a big screen. I was going to say, they held up for me, but I watched it on a computer screen from, like, across the room. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Josh was like, hey, these effects look really good. But for us, we're like... It looks like a space battle! That depth charge, it's got... Looks like it was cut and paste and felt bored and slowly slid down. Not as good as the uh, incredible moving moon in the last scene. Oh my god, that drove me nuts, yeah. They, they, they show the camera, you know, camera left, and there's a shadow of the moon over the horizon. Camera right, shadow of the moon over the horizon. Like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not how the moon works. <laughs> it's not? That's no moon. It's a space station. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's no I, moon. I mean, you, yeah, you do have to kind of suspend disbelief a little bit there in that last sequence, which you shouldn't have to do in a, a essentially what shouldn't be a, an effects-laden shot. Right. Uh, it just seems. But so it was it, it was very distracting. It was so bad. It wasn't as bad as like Conan and the, the Destroyer when they're going across the lake. It wasn't that bad, but it wasn't good. Well, there were no rigid snakes, so. No, that was Conan the Barbarian. Learn your Conan. I don't want to. Well, I mean, he I told you. <laughs> Spoilers. What is best in life, Joel? Free. <laughs> oh, jeez. Isn't it? Aren't the best things in life free? You're you're dead to me. I was dead I, to you I, like I, twenty years ago. We're done here. Let's go to the break. Right. <laughs> He's already dead. <laughs> he must have gone down the alley, too. Oh, geez. All right. Well, we'll be back in a little bit, and we're going to talk about Jack Ryan 2018 uh, Amazon. Pew, pew. All right, we're back, and we are going to talk about John Krasinski's Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm not wrong. No, no, but no. Just, that's what most people would. That's how most people would distinguish it, considering Chris Pine wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Uh, so, an up-and-coming CIA analyst, Jack Ryan, is thrust into a dangerous field assignment as he uncovers a pattern in terrorist communication that launches him into the center of a dangerous gambit. Ooh, and who doesn't love a dangerous gambit? Rogue. Rogue. <laughs> nice. Nice. Touché. Deep for the nerd cut right there. Um, John Krasinski, uh, as that guy from The Office. No, as oh, Jack yeah. Ryan. Yeah, the people who say they can't see him as anything but Jim from The Office make me unreasonably angry. <laughs> yeah, I concur with that statement. So, John Krasinski as Jack Ryan, Wendell Pierce killing it as James Greer. I like Wendell Pierce in everything, though I could not have told you his name like a week ago. <laughs> He's just he one of those guys. Yeah. Ever yeah. since he played uh, Bunk in The Wire. Oh. Still got to watch that one. 
Oh, it's so good. You really do. You just like get yourself a way to watch HBO and like that is even more than Game of Thrones. That's the reason I have HBO. Really? Really? Yes. Wow. And this is coming from me. Hmm. Well, here we go. What was his first movie without looking? <laughs> I can't movie? do that, Mike. I'm already looking. Yeah. The first movie I I remember seeing him in that wasn't The Office was was Leatherheads, but holy uh, crap, I did not know he was in that. Really? Yeah. The Money what? Pit. What? Yeah. No way. Minor I character. Movie. I own it. I've seen it like a hundred times. I don't. I love movie. the Money Pit. Yeah, I own it too. And you call yourself a Wendell Pierce fan? <laughs> did well, I he John Krasinski. Oh. I did I, not call myself a Wendell Pierce fan. I just want to go on record. I I was still somewhere. Wendell Pierce is crying. <laughs> I'm not. I mean, I like the guy, and I appreciate his. You know, but I would not say I'm like a big fan. Well, I just know that every time I see him in something, I, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's that guy. He's always awesome." Yep. Yeah. That's about it. And he's very good in this. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. And John Hugenknocker, mm-hmm. he says, hoping he got he got that right. <laughs> I had to go to the show notes to see if this was Mike mispronouncing again. It's like, nope, that's nope, the dude's name. That's the guy's name. So he is uh, Matisse. Uh, we also have Abby Cornish as Kathy Mueller. And she looks like a combination between if Kim Cattrall and uh, uh, a squirrel. No, who played who played Firestarter? A squirrel. A squirrel did not play Firestarter. I've seen that. A squirrel was not in Firestarter. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. She looks if, if those two had a kid. It would be a squirrel. Abby, and a squirrel and, all right, moving on. I was trying to make a point. What's up with the squirrel thing? I thought she was real attractive and <laughs> I think because her, her nose was too small and her cheeks were too big and she reminded me of a squirrel. Yeah, because you you have a right to be picky. No, I, I did, did anywhere in that say that I would not have sex with her. <laughs> yes, I would fuck a squirrel. I don't care. <laughs> so Ali Suleiman as Suleiman. There you go. Which I thought was an odd casting choice whether they really whether they wrote the character's name after or whether <laughs> well they just no. added the e what? in the in the character's name that's that's just a fairly common name in fact th- they say it's a common name in the first episode of the show yeah that's literally a line oh i always skip the first episode i figured there's nothing in there worth watching <laughs> explains so much in talking to you <laughs> come down this alley as dina shahabi as hanin uh, Timothy Hutton. Holy crap. Coming out of nowhere. I know. As right. Nathan Singer, uh, known for, he was on that, been on that show 2012, uh, Leverage, uh, Beautiful Girls. He's got, he remembered him being like big sexy thing back in the eighties, wasn't he? Tell me I'm wrong. You're, You're wrong. wrong. Okay. He was like a, um, more refined, uh, um, um, oh my God, I can't think of his name. Paul Giamatti. Turk 182. That's what I'm trying to remember. I was going to say, if you've got Paul Giamatti on one side and Tim Robbins on the other, you meet in the middle, you've got Timothy Hutton. <laughs> yeah. So he's known for Ordinary People, Turk 182, Falcon and the Snowman, and something called Teenage Suicide. Don't try it. <laughs> Nobody likes it. Just don't. Wait till you're 20. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So Num- that took me a second. <laughs> uh, so Numi Rapace as Harriet Harry Bauman. Oh, I love Numi Rapace unabashedly. I like it with peanut sauce. Yeah, I like her a lot, but I don't like about like her script choice to me is a little questionable. 
Like I, I thought she was in the worst of the Sherlock Holmes. She was in Prometheus. She was in my not preferred uh, translation of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. It's like I like her, but I wish I liked the stuff she was in more. Wait, you don't like the originals? I thought you loved the originals. Wait, maybe I'm mixing she up. She was Elizabeth Salander in the original ones. Okay, then then I'm mixing up which actress is which. Rooney Mara. Okay, uh, I'm totally mixing up Numi Rapace and Rooney Mara. No, I, you got all the rest of them right, but it was just that one was wrong. Okay, well then scratch that, reverse it when it comes to <laughs> Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. <laughs> you were good up until that point. And I, was I like, think what? it's the, the Rooney and the Numi. Phenomenon. Uh, now we're back to a Mary Poppins song. A roomy and a new. Never mind. Let's, let's move on. All right. So trivia. Unlike most previous installments in the Jack Ryan film series, the show is not based on any of Tom Clancy's novels. Is this ironic or not? Um, Krasinski not. De- described the plot as ripped from the headline story based on current geopolitics. Which I think was a really strong choice because they kept a lot of the weird little details about the character, despite the fact it's not the novel, like the back problems early in his career. Like mm-hmm. t- talk about kind of a deep cut unless like you really know the character. That's something you might miss. Yeah, no, I mean, and they kept enough of it that, you know, it's Jack Ryan, but they I think they went, went with a good good move of not using anything that Tom Clancy had written. Well, yeah, it's kind of like what they do with Tony Stark, where as the character gets closer and closer to a current day, they move his backstory forward, like what war he was in, what war he was captured in. Mm -hmm. They kind of did the same thing with Jack Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you guys uh, knew that about Iron Man, where it was like first he was captured in Vietnam, then he was captured in whatever, now it's Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah, I knew that. Did you know that, Patrick? I did not. (laughs) You learned something. I learned it. <laughs> All right. So Super Nintendo Chalmers. I love that line. <laughs> Guest stars. Now, this is crazy. Cynthia Preston and Jonathan Potts voice Princess Zelda and Link, respectively, in the short-lived Legend of Zelda cartoon show. What a weird, weird bit of trivia. And who who found that? I mean, that uh, anyway, it'd be, I mean, it would be cool if it was like they put them in the same scene. But they're not even the same episode. I I just think that would have been kind of cool if they put like like had two characters named Link and Zelda for some reason or another. But then that would make no sense. So I rescind my comment. Uh, During a conversation between Greer and Ryan about getting access to a mobile cell phone, Greer mentions trying a loved one's birthday or anniversary. An almost verbatim conversation takes place between Dan Murray, Ryan, and Petey when they're trying to access a password-protected account in Tom Clancy's Clear and Present Danger. Back in '94. Well, I imagine that's pretty much most people's first conversation when they try to break into somebody's password. Yeah, thing shows you things haven't changed. No, people still don't know how to do a damn good password. There's a good way. Well, you would. Mine is always password with a U instead of an O. Password. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say password. (laughs) (laughs) That's a combination on my luggage. Wait. All right, so in the books, Kathy Mueller is an eye surgeon. In the show, she's an epidemiologist, because that makes more sense. I think that gives them some more directions in where they can go off the beaten path for future seasons, because I think this was picked up before the first episode dropped. Well, I also, it gives her more uh, relevance in the in the show itself as right. it goes through the next couple seasons, because you can't exactly be like, hey, we need to bring Kathy Mueller. Oh, no, there's this global pink eye. Thing. Yeah, that's, that's more or less what I meant. Yeah. yeah. But I like her character. I, I do, too. Yeah, especially. Yeah, I like Pink Eye. 
interesting. Um, I also think this is a version of Kathy Mueller that, unlike in some of the films, exists in a way where you like her. She's not just, oh, she's this object that Jack has to save because they're married. Or not. No. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for anyone else to chime in for some reason. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to agree, but I, was, I don't know why I was waiting for you two to agree also. But <laughs> I agree. I didn't get a harumph out of you. Harumph. All right. But, yeah, that's uh, John Krasinski becomes the fifth actor to play Jack Ryan, and like all the other replacements in between, he has appeared in at least one film with the original Alec Baldwin. Krasinski and Baldwin appeared in State and Maine, It's Complicated, and Aloha. Was that like a prerequisite? Well, it, was the, it was the sixth actor. Didn't you say that? No, fair. no, that fair. was. I, I thought it was maybe six, but we realized it was five right off the kick. Okay, okay. I know I'm not used to me being wrong either, despite the fact it's been like four <laughs> times the show. <laughs> I thought I was wrong once. Turns out I was mistaken. You're a tit. Um. <laughs> wow. So uh, I'm saying yes. Obviously, first viewing for all of us. Oh yeah, and uh, not the last because I didn't finish it, but. Damned if I'm not uh, like dedicated to making sure I do. Oh yeah, no spoilers. This, yeah, I yeah cut to the thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm really enjoying this show. Um, I think the Tom Clancy style of telling these to- these stories fits better with a television series than it does with a uh, with a movie. Totally, the ability to like for twenty or thirty minutes focus on this side character that's going to have one scene they're super important for. Right, it, like the the drone guy. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. His crazy night and where how it affects his decision making for that episode. I don't know if Pat got there. So no, I, I haven't got there, but I'm definitely going to. I've, I've only you know I had a really busy week at work, and I only got to two episodes. Yeah, the, uh, well, the, I'm definitely going to watch them all. It's really, I mean, spoilers. Yeah, it's really good. I like it. So yeah. I, uh, uh, I, I, I'm just about to start the sixth episode. Um, but I love the. Um, Oh shit! I forgot. I want to call him Pat Healy, but that's not who the character is. Uh, the guy that was the in the casino with him. That whole scene was messed up. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk too much about it since it's a, an awesome scene in particular for Patrick, and he hasn't seen it yet. He was on Oz. Um, he was. That's where I first saw him. He was in uh, Wayne's World. He was I Love You Man guy. Uh, Lee Turgeson. Which is Turd Ferguson's second cousin. <laughs> Lee Ferguson, yeah. He was uh, the, the, the guy in the casino. Yeah. The other thing that really impressed me, this, uh, in addition to the fact that just like in the first one, the reason we chose these two to compare is that he's his intelligence is the main thing, even though he's a badass. I, we were talking about in the first half how the new, there was nuance with the opposition. And this show is totally about that just from the very beginning where you see the guy who is going to be your big bad, like dancing around eighties music. They're not just like these faceless Brown people that you see in some military thrillers. Uh, You understand who they are as people, what their lives are like and how they got to the point where they're at. You still don't want to see their plan succeed necessarily, but they're people. And mm-hmm. I was really impressed by that, considering how much uh, in modern media, if you've got a Muslim character who's an antagonist, they're just like lol terrorists. We don't really need to say any more about them. It was a good way to do this. And that, again, goes back to the reason I like it being a TV show is because you can actually have an entire 
episode just on an origin story for the villain. Not just like, let's show him, you know, pray in the Mecca and then strap it on the suicide vest and driving off. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you get so much about like the extended people in his circle with these little vignettes because of the expanded <laughs> timeline. <laughs> Chewie agrees. That was not that was, Chewie. That was Lucy. Oh, Sarah agrees. Jesus um, Christ. No, I agree. That that was the, the, the big thing that I wanted to make sure and bring up, too, was that, uh, you know, um, yes, there are Muslims who are terrorists, but not all Muslims are terrorists and not all terrorists are Muslim. And the fact that they humanized the other people there, not just the bad guys, but all the people that are around them that are also part of that same community and religion and everything, even um, the fact that uh, uh, his boss is Muslim. That I thought was an interesting twist. Yeah, I know nice... in the books he's not. Yeah, no, it's definitely a new take on the character, and I'm sure it's something that will have a certain perpetually angry uh, portion of the internet screaming. But it also gave opportunities to see the conflict from a whole bunch of different sides. You've got a humanized Muslim who's a terrorist. You've got the non-terrorist Muslims around him who have their own perspective, and then you have an American black Muslim. So you've got the same religion coming at the same situation from three completely different angles, which I thought was awesome. And they even show in a conversation with his brother that he, he is not even a vehement Muslim. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting, like the different, like you said, the different dichotomies. Yeah, for, for a religion that in pop culture just like gets no nuance, no multiple characterizations. We have three or more just in a couple episodes. Love it. Always glad when uh, any culture or whatever gets treated with respect and with respect for the story. Well, and, you know, in this in this type of scenario, it's really easy to just say, you know, that the, the Muslims are bad guys and they're all terrorists and yada, 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 whatever. And, um, especially with uh, the whole side story with Tombstone. I mean, here's a guy who's dealing with accidentally killing somebody that he shouldn't have. And careful. Yeah. Remember, we're not spoiling that for Pat. Yeah. Careful. Yeah. That was that a big plot point. It's not going to change whether I watch it or not. I'm still going to watch it. Yeah. But I want to, I want to hear you not, I want to hear your reaction to it while not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah. But scratch that reverse it. But no, I mean the, what I like about this, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, I remember when, Amazon started Amazon and Met, remember back when Amazon and Netflix started doing their own shows and they were, you know, outside of stuff like, um, God, what was the one on Netflix where the mobster got moved to the middle of nowhere in Finland? Uh, Lilyhammer. Yeah, that was pretty good. There are some other ones that just did not take off. I mean, you think, I think you come to a point where Amazon, Netflix, and to a lesser extent, um, Hulu is a finally, you know, coming up against you know, uh, Universal Studios and all that. I mean, they're really, this isn't any sort of like off the cuff type of thing. Everybody's all in on this. The script is great. Um, it keeps you the end of every one, keep every episode keeps you hooked to watch the next one. I mean, I watched three on my flight down on Friday and, uh, when, when, when I was uh, traveling, I mean, it's just good, solid storytelling in every episode, but enough of a connection across the wide story that you want to keep watching it. And yeah, a for sure. impressive production value, too. Oh, yeah. And I, I think whenever you've got streaming services trying to be the new HBO before HBO can wipe them out of existence, we as fans of media 
we win because for it doesn't matter how many things are launched when they're trying to put out this quality content on all the streaming services there's going to be some of them that hit and hit hard and we gain just as people who watch tv from those things existing yeah yeah this is our our cable television now almost <laughs> um like you guys are saying when you compare against hbo and showtime who put out shows and have been for many years that are quality um these guys got to step up their game and and they have. I mean, look at Jack Ryan, uh, Stranger Things. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orange is the New Black. I mean, so many TV shows that we talk about, you don't watch them necessarily or don't have to watch them on a TV anymore. Nope. Yeah. I mean, now I'm watching something different on my commute every day. I mean, it's good stuff. It's not just like one-off or, you know, I there's it used to be that I'd watch like the pilot or half the pilot of one of the shows that was done by one of these studios. And now, you know, outside of the off, off the wall, like, I don't know. Netflix has got a lot of like Asian stuff coming out now. Well, they've just, they're betting big on hitting a wide swath. They're trying a bunch of things to see what sticks because they don't have to worry about, Oh, the ratings weren't good by episode three. So we know before the season's over that this thing's dead. Mm -hmm. They drop a whole season and if it takes an audience a year or two to find it, that's fine. It's just value added for that audience to say, well, I'm never getting rid of my Netflix subscription now. Well, and um, uh, I don't know if I don't know if I had it in the trivia or not. I forgot now, but uh, they picked up season two for Jack Ryan before the first episode even dropped. That was my guess. I mentioned that earlier, but not as a fact. A, I think this is a thing. Yeah, it was it was in one of the trivia points that I, I thought I'd included, but I, I guess not. Well, good means the right people saw it before it hit hit the ground. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, how far have all of us gotten into this? I'm four episodes in and wish that I'd gotten through all ten. Just have not made the time. Ooh, Too think, many other things going on. I'm halfway through episode six. Yeah, I'm five five episodes deep and uh, about to start six. All right, and Patrick. Two, I think he said. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. So you want to do thumbs up, thumbs down? Yeah, I, I kind of think that uh, without spoiling it for each other, there's not a whole lot more we can say, and it's pretty obvious, I think, on this one. Did did anyone have a thumbs down on the original? No, no. I have a weird, weird uh, fascination and enjoyment of these these films and uh, the TV show now as well. Well, I mean, it's not even a weird fascination. I mean, it's it's just a really good story. You know, well, it's it, not my typical kind of fair. Um, I mean, I like dramas and things, but, you know, kind of the espionage, thriller, political, whatever you want to call it. I know I had referred to it as a spy thing uh, at a point, but uh, yeah, it's not usually my thing. But these, for whatever reason, they always seem to rope me in. Well, yeah. And I think that's the thing is when you talk about a person who's an analyst, who's who's a paper pusher, um, it's interesting to have that character and see where they go and have the paper pusher part of it be completely relevant. It's almost like a serious version of uh, the remake of Get Smart that we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Like that was sort of the new Get Smart shtick where they were making fun of the fact that he's a paper pusher who becomes an international badass. Well, this mm-hmm. is the answer to the question, well, what if we're going to do the same thing, but 100% serious? Right. And I love the scenes where he they're in like the big group meetings and he has some sort of like revelation in it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you get one of those in both then and now for us. Yeah. And sometimes you get similar uh, scenes where he shoots off his mouth and suddenly realizes, oh, there are important people in this room that maybe just didn't like what I said. I'm looking forward to whatever's going on between Timothy Hutton and uh, uh, what Greer. I'm, I want to find out. There's been little tips of the hat, of the hat to what what happened to uh, make Greer get sent back home. Right. And when you first meet Timothy Hutton's character, you're like, this seems like a pretty reasonable dude. And then a couple episodes later, it's like, ah, I don't know about this guy. He might be a little sketchy. Yeah. There's some shit going on, especially when he offered. Well, shit, again, what episode? <laughs> <laughs> right. We got to be right. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, it's, it, there's enough going on. And like you said, even these little off scenes, like with the drone, the drone pilot, initially I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. Giving us a little reflection on what happens here. And then they show back up. And then, and that's the first realization that I need to pay attention to every little scene in this. Cause I'm laying a bet. Everybody that you see, even for a quick five minute scene is going to come circling back around with some sort of plot point. And yeah. Uh, I, I watched these episodes with my sister because she wanted to see them too. And that scene when the guy's driving his little scooter, you know, she said, she's all like, is he going on a suicide mission? And I was like, no, I don't think so. Not on the scooter that size. There's not enough room for explosives. And then I show him on the road. I was like, he could be, you know, driving into an IED. And right as I said that, boom. <laughs> I, well, like, I don't think that was an IED. No, no, no. But no, I just, yeah. it was just the perfect timing. I'm in the middle of a saying and he just blows up. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, because that was my instinct too. I was like, holy shit. He just hit a landmine and then they show the drone strike dude. Right. Like, and, and that's oh. why I had to pause that episode. And, and that was as far as I got. Oh, okay. Cool. Now, now I know precisely where you are because that was a, uh, a pretty memorable scene as far as I was concerned. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same here. So, all thumbs up, all thumbs up. Are we talking? No. It looks like it. I mean, yeah, uh, overwhelmingly yeah. for me on both. I mean, maybe technical glitches that I didn't see due to small screen notwithstanding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think that we've got nice bookends for, for my tastes. We've got the best of Jack Ryan in the first and the most recent. Yep. Maybe that's a bold statement, but no, no, I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, and I think honestly, uh, they changed Jack Ryan to fit the times in a very good way. I mean, I haven't seen shadow recruit. But uh, you don't know how well it did, and I'll see it at some point. But for now, yes, yeah. definitely. So, uh, Joel, you're the um, the horror guy of the group. <laughs> yes, we're about to kick off Octobu uh, next week. Uh, the first of the roster of shows will be Prom Night versus Prom Night. Yeah, we got it in 2008. We got a good lineup this year, so I think it's going to be a lot of fun because we we dabble back into a lot of the old eighties. Uh, you want to spoil it here first? Yeah. No. Oh, we're going to do the whole roster. Yeah. Give them the whole roster. Give them time to watch Pat. You got All the right. list. So this, no, I got it. Go ahead. Yeah. Joel's got it. So this, this week, prom night next week, Hellraiser, the original versus Hellraiser judgment. The most recent, I believe ninth film in the installment, maybe 10th. Uh, the week after that, the crazies, 1973, George A. Romero classic versus the 2010 crazies with Timothy Oliphant. And then finally to kick, kill it off. I don't know. Uh, my bloody Valentine, 1981 versus 2009's my bloody Valentine. Yeah. So yeah, if uh, you have anything to say about uh, Jack Ryan or our picks for this year's Octobu, our fifth annual Octobu, uh, let us know. Give us a call at 708 now wrap. That's 708-669-9727. 
Yep, and if you want to find our older stuff, like I said before, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Noon FM, you Google us. Also go to fortigo14.com. You can find our shows there. And uh, go on Podchaser. It's kind of IMDB for podcasts. And uh, leave us a rating and leave us some sort of uh, notation if you like us. Yeah, and it may take us a while if you decide to tweet at us or send us an email, but you can always do that. Reach out to us on Twitter at 40 14 or send us an email at 40 14 at gmail.com. Right. So uh, thanks for listening. Oh, and I apologize for no stinger last week. My fault. Spoilers. Spoilers. No stinger was the stinger. Bum, bum, bum. The stinger was the butler all along. What a tweet. Oh, <laughs> the stinger was it was Bruce Willis the whole time. Ah. Yeah. Sing us, sing us a ditty, see what happens. Uh, sing sorry. us another ditty. That was Josh. <laughs> that was Josh's ditty. That one's my favorite. <laughs> I know all the words. <laughs> <laughs>